welcome to the Business Brainwave Show with Renata Jute, where we will look at ways to optimize your business. In this episode of Business Brainwaves, I thought I would talk a bit about five things that delays wrapping up an estate. Now, you may wonder what that has to do with business per se, but if you're a business owner and you pass away or a business partner passes away, the wrapping up of an estate will have a huge impact on your business. So I I will touch on this because in the last number of months I've dealt with a number of estates and I have come across these things as quite a big frustration. And I think it's important that people are aware of these things. So number one that has popped up time and time again is that people cannot find the original signed will. Now, if you listened to my podcast last week, you will know how important having the original will is. So a copy of the will, a certified copy of the will, that will not do. All that does is it tells you that somewhere there is an original will and that we need to look for it. But when you do not have that original will, it really can slow down the process because you now have one of two choices. If you cannot find the original will, either you land up going intestate, which means I don't have a will, and we've got proof that there's a copy of a will, or you now have to start the process to go to court to see if you can have this copy of will or certified copy of will declared as a valid will. So it will not only be a time delay, but it will also certainly be a costly affair. So please, guys, make sure that you know where your original will is. Do prepare your information that will be required in the event of your death, that it is easily accessible for the people that need to deal with your affairs. Leave the original will in a safe place where people can access it. So that for me is number one. Number two is when we don't have confirmation of all the assets. Boy, can this be a story. I mean, recently I was dealing with an estate and I was told that the person had a certain number of properties. And of course, then we need to get sworn valuations for these properties. And there are certain uh, things that we need to do. So we need to get bond values. We need to know a whole bunch of information about these properties. And you start this process. And then things come out of the woodwork. And before you know it, not only do you have, for example, 10 properties, but it now turns out that, oh, apparently there's 17 properties. And now you start scratching for information. Or when people say that they are a shareholder in one business, and as you start scratching through things, you find that they may have shares in other businesses. Or they may have shares in other properties. And we find this time and time again. So please also make sure that you have a proper list of your assets and liabilities. It is absolutely imperative if we want to wrap up an estate in a timely fashion. 
that we know where all your assets are. Now, certainly we can do things like Windeat reports, which uh, will tell us what properties are out there. Um, we can certainly do a SIPC search, uh, which will give us where you are a director. It doesn't give us where you are a shareholder, but it will indicate where you are a director. And there are certain searches we can do. But again, what have we done? We have delayed affairs, number one. And number two, we have thrown money at things that is unnecessary in my view. If you've got a list of all your assets and liabilities, um, and that is updated uh, in a regular fashion, maybe annually, then at least we have a starting point. So for me, number two, make sure that you have a confirmed list of all your assets and liabilities. Number three, when you own immovable property, in other words, houses, factory buildings, um, any form of buildings, immovable property, we need certain information. As I touched on just a minute ago, we would need sworn valuations by valuators. We would need bond values on these uh, properties. But also, we need to know, are these properties let? If the properties have uh, um, tenants, what does the lease agreement say? When does this lease come to an end? Um, also, have we done any renovations on these properties? So if I bought the property, that would be my base cost. But if I have spent money on this property, improving that property, that would mean that I have done improvements and now I would have a higher value. So for argument's sake, if when I die, my property is worth 1 million rand, but when I bought the property initially, I paid 300,000 for this property, it would now stand to reason that there's a 700,000 rand gain. But not necessarily, because if I have spent 500,000 over the years improving that property, it means that its base cost of 300 plus 500,000 improvements, it brings it up to 800,000, which means I actually only have a gain of 200,000. Why is that important? Well, it would be important because on my death, it is a deemed disposal. And if that property is liable for capital gains tax, it means that I will pay capital gains tax on the full amount that is the gain. In other words, that wasn't improvements. And that will make a big difference. If I own 10 properties and I take the um, gain value from 700,000 down to 200,000 uh, through the fact that I did improvements on these properties, that will have a huge impact on my tax for my estate. So it's actually so important that when you have immovable property that you have your base cost that you have the figures that you paid for your transfer costs for argument's sake that you do know what money you spend on improvements and that you would need proof for that and then of course that if those properties are investment properties or do have tenants in them, that we have copies of those lease agreements. We need to know when those leases come to an end. We need to know what the amount of those leases are because all those things do come into account when we do evaluations. So number three would then be having all your property information at hand. Number four, policies and investments. 
Guys, this is so important because sometimes what happens is we have various types of investments or various types of policies and these things are taxed in different ways. Um, whether it's estate dutiable or not estate dutiable, whether premiums that was paid can be deducted off estate duty or not. Uh, there are various things that we need to take into consideration. But to have that, we would need to have that information. And um, often what will happen is you may not have all the information that we as the uh, people that wrap up the estates would need. But if you at least have either a policy and investment schedule from your financial advisor, or you have at least the contact details of your financial advisor at hand, one can deal with that. Because you see, sometimes what will also happen is I may have a trust and in the trust I have a life policy which is on my life. So yes, I don't own the policy, but it pays out as a result of my debt. It becomes dutiable. Then I may have in the trust an investment. Now, just through my death, that investment does not land in my estate. It is not dutiable. But if I have, for argument's sake, a million rand investment in my trust, and the trust owes to me 300,000 rand um, because I had put money in the trust and the trust had invested that uh, money, that 300,000 creates a loan account. Now that loan account becomes an asset in my estate and is indeed dutiable. So you see, sometimes we need to build this puzzle out a bit to see exactly whether it is dutiable or not dutiable. It may be that we are partners in a business and that we have buy and sell properties, um, sorry, buy and sell policies. And these are the things that we need to look at. Do they comply? Um, uh, so then, of course, they would exempt. They, it would be exempt from a state duty. But if it doesn't comply, now it becomes dutiable again. So there are so many things that we need to look at. What is important for us is to know what are all the policies? What are all the investments? And if you don't know that, that we have the details of the financial advisors. And if you've got more than one financial advisor, it's important for us to know that. I'm dealing with an estate at the moment where the party had two financial advisors and we have now come across even more investments that were not through these financial advisors, which then does make it more interesting to try and find all the assets. And again, we are delayed by yet another week or two weeks to get this information. And please understand, one thing I have learned through the School of Hard Knocks is that not one of the insurance companies will ask for the same information. When a person passes away, one would think that the insurance companies would ask for the letter of executorship, the IDs of the executor, the death certificate of the party that's passed away, maybe an autopsy report if the person passed of unnatural causes, maybe the police report if there's an unnatural cause death. But oh no, they seem to all have different criteria at different times. And this also delays the process because you will send the documents and then two weeks later you'll follow up and they'll go oh wait now we need this document and then two weeks later you'll follow up and then it turns out they need yet another document so please be mindful of these things and make sure that you deal with financial planners that know what is required so that your family can 
deal with this that the person that's helping you uh, wrap up the estate knows exactly what these companies want and can deal with it immediately not six months down the line or four months down the line but that we can get on top of it immediately and then number five for me, another thing that I have seen delay estates. I mean, earlier this week I spoke to um, someone that was up in arms. They reached out to me, wanted to know if I could assist them with an estate because the executor that had been appointed to their um, uh, deceased husband's estate had been working on this estate for close on seven years. Now, this is unacceptable. We should not have to deal with estates for that long. Yes, certainly. And I do have articles on my blog and I have done podcasts before about how long it can take to wrap up estates. And yes, there are minimum time frames. But on average, I deal with an estate between eight months and 10 months. If it takes longer than that, sometimes the delay is either at the master or at SARS where I'm waiting for tax clearance. But that's literally it. It should not take you two and three and five years to wrap up an estate. The reason that happens is either the team you are working with is not giving it its full attention or they may not be sure what's happening there. They, they may not be as effective as needed. Or the other reason is one of the things I mentioned above, that they can't find the original will, that we don't have confirmation of what all the assets are, that we don't have all the property information, or that there is a discrepancy with policies and investments. So guys, please make sure that you have your affairs in order, so that when it comes to wrapping up the estate, you do not leave your loved ones in the lurch having to deal with this, because in that emotional time of turmoil, the last thing you want to worry about is where is the paperwork. If you need more guidance or assistance on how to make sure that your um, affairs are sorted and, and in order, please reach out, um, reach us via our website or um, in, in the blog post below. You'll also find my contact details so that we can assess your affairs and make sure that everything is in order. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Business Brainwaves. For more Business Brainwaves, please visit my website, nobleprosperity.co.za, follow me on Facebook, or connect with me on LinkedIn. For easy access, the links are posted below.